Thank you, God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I tell you, I don't know what's what's going to transpire. I've been up since 4.30 this morning, so Lord help you all, all right? So, um, I wish I could say I was seeking the Lord, but I was heading for Hobart somewhere. So, but uh, anyway, um, Luke chapter 22 tonight, Luke chapter 22. Um, I've been uh, thinking for... A while, a little bit, I actually listened to a sermon about a week and a half ago, very convicting to me, and, and uh, uh, started, I uh, got a thought off of it, and been working on it for the past week or so, uh, Brother Jimmy asked me to speak, and, and uh, this is the first thing I ran to, so uh, surprisingly, you know, you would think of the topic of this sermon, this would be a very well-received, and I'm not saying that it won't, won't tonight, but uh um, but uh, as far as I've been teaching and working with the teens in the church now, almost uh, nine years, I believe. And uh, the most responsive, and I say in a, that in a negative way, a message I've ever seen the teens uh, openly uh, respond uh, that they thought I was completely wrong <laughs> and very much verbally let me know that I was wrong. Uh, I was on this subject. Uh, I've never had them actually, uh, and we actually had several conversations after the class where they, uh, they, they let me know I thought I was wrong. But, I mean, uh, you know, Scripture is Scripture, and, you know, they, just, they, they were looking at it from a worldly standpoint, and I was looking from a biblical standpoint. Uh, I hope to be an encouragement to you tonight. I hope you're not like the teens were about four years or five years ago when I told them the same subject where they're sitting going, uh-uh. <laughs> so I'm hoping to get a better response than that, because that was a little difficult to teach when they're sitting there saying, no, no. But uh, I, I believe it's a very encouraging. I've been studying, I've been very encouraged um, in, in this subject. Uh, the subject's forgiveness. Um, and uh, I've been uh, doing some study on it, and uh, I've been looking at it from the perspective of Christ on the cross, not for salvation purposes, but just from the human aspect of an innocent person being put to death for something he didn't do. And, uh, and it's convicting when you look at what Christ's response was and, and, and the things that he's done on the cross. Um, you know, and we're, our goal is to be Christ-like. And uh, you know, we look at Christ's response to something that Really, he hadn't, he'd done nothing wrong. Humanly speaking, Christ was an innocent man that died. In, in, from human standpoint, for no reason whatsoever. And if we look at Christ's response to, to uh, things uh, that as we go, go through these things, I hope uh, we'll get some clarity on, on forgiveness to, to people around us and things like that. I found a few quotes I thought was, was interesting. Uh, to forgive is to set a, pers- a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness is the greatest gift you can ever give yourself. There is no love without forgiveness, and there is no forgiveness without love. You know, thinking of... Because uh, I told Melissa, I said, I could... I've, I've been digging into it, and, and this sermon just, in a sense, kept exploding. Because 
The whole book, the, the Bible is a book of forgiveness. I mean, so you can keep studying and you keep digging, you keep growing. And, and uh, so I said, I've got to limit it as much as possible because it was getting to a large sermon. Um, and uh, I got to thinking, you know, back to my childhood days, and, and uh, uh, I'm not a, uh, uh, what do you call this, uh, what pastor does, uh, reminisce, yeah. I'm not that very much type of a person when I sit back and, and just not. But so I have to really dig deep because I don't remember that great. <laughs> Uh, uh, my, my childhood days. I remember certain points and the teens have heard several times my, my stories of, of, of yesteryear or whatever, uh, funny stories or whatever. But uh, one in particular time I remember, and I, I don't even believe I've told the teens this, um, I remember we was on Lake Norman, me and my brother and my dad, and we were uh, um, uh, riding jet skis. And we were playing around and whatnot, and, and I remember uh, my brother was sitting here on the jet ski, and my dad was over here, and I turned the jet ski around and come back, and I was coming back, and I was going to split between them. And I remember water splash up hit me in the face, and for a bleep, just a split second, I couldn't see. And I wiped my eyes off, and the next thing I know, I'm jumping a jet ski. Uh, I mean, I, I, I come probably within three inches of hitting my brother hit, right in the head with, with, a, with a jet ski, full throttle. And uh, it actually hit the steering wheel and threw him off of it, and he disappeared under the water uh, what seemed like an eternity. And uh, me and my dad, just in astonishment, just what happened, and trying to figure out where my brother was because he was, he was gone. And in that brief moment of time, I thought, I'd never forgive myself if something happened to him. And, uh, you know, honestly, probably that's where, because uh, I was a, uh, a roller coaster rider, uh, try this, try that type of guy. Probably that's probably the point where I started thinking a lot more about things. Um, and be a little more cautious with things. But I remember, you know, that moment. I'd never forgive myself. You know, there's different styles of needs for forgiveness. Sometimes it's ourselves that we need forgiveness. We think of times where we've made a mistake and, and we thought, I mean, I can't forgive myself for that. Um, you know, you think about times uh, that you've done something to someone else. And you pleaded for, for that forgiveness, but they, they wouldn't respond right or whatever. But maybe something that somebody's done to you. And, you've, and, and you, you hold on to that in a grudge, in a sense. And you know, in life, we have a prison uh, that, that two different types of people. And there's one that's bitter people and one that are lost people. And... Um, the problem with bitterness is, is it, ranges, it comes from the root of unforgiveness. And that's this quote that was really set off to me. Is the, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. I promise you that most of the time whenever you're mad at someone and won't, unforg- willing, not willing to forgive them, they're not staying up late at night waiting on you to come. 
but you are. And your health is affected by it. And your, everything, your life's wrapped around the fact that you will not forgive someone. And, you know, then one day you come to the conclusion, you know what, I'm, I'm wasting life away. And you forgive them and it's like a burden lifted. That didn't change the situation by any stretch of the imagination. 20, uh, in 2019, I think it was 20, 2018, there was an officer, Amber Geyer. I don't know if anybody remembers seeing in the news media. Um, an officer came home one night. She got off on the wrong floor of her apartment complex. And she goes to her apartment. It was late. She had done pulled, I think, a double shift, and she just was not paying attention. And she walks into her house. And someone was in there watching TV in her house, and she drew her gun. And the guy jumped up out of the chair, and she killed him dead. Only to come to find out that she was on the wrong floor. And she was in that man's house. And in the midst of the media, that was during the George Floyd uh, riots, burning cities down, this trial was going on. And... uh, if you ever get a chance, I want you to look up a man named Brant Jean. Because that's the most amazing teenager. He's 18 years old. And he was sitting doing uh, what they call a, a, a victim impact statement. And where somebody gets up and they tell about all the evil this person is and all that kind of stuff. And Amber Geyer is sitting in there. She's been convicted of, I think it was manslaughter. Sentenced to, before her sentencing, Brant gets up and tells her that I forgive you. And he said, I love you. And then he looked at the judge and says, is it okay if I go hug her? In the middle of a courtroom, in the midst of a mess of a country that, that we, I mean, riots going on everywhere. This 18-year-old young man comes up and said, I have no ill will towards you except that you just give your life to Jesus Christ. Brant Jean's brother was the one that was murdered. And he stands on the, to give his impact, his victim impact, and his only thing was he wanted to let that young lady know he forgave her. And only if he forgave her, he loved her, and he wanted Christ to change, his, change her life. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, man, could I do that? I mean, that's, that's amazing. But here's the thing. It didn't change Amber's sentence at all. The judge still sentenced her to 10 years in prison for the manslaughter, no matter the forgiveness. The thing I thought about with this is, is, and the mother actually of, of Brant Jean said this, forgiveness is for the forgiver, no matter what the forgiven does with it. God never intended on us carrying the weight of being the judge. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, um, before we get to our main text, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, uh, verse, this is something I just thought of. Verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we are like gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now here's the thing. He was oppressed, 
and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is, he is brought as a, uh, as a lamb to the slaughter, and in a sheep before the shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off at, out of the land of the living, for the transgression of the people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put, put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. I want you to think about this perspective. All the sin that causes the need for forgiveness, God carried it all. Past, present, future. So therefore, if we learn this truth that Christ is trying to teach us while he's hanging on the cross just as a human being thinking of his perspective of forgiveness, thinking of the perspective, God has already paid the debt. God has already judged the sin. So there's no need for us because that's the reason why we hold on to grudges. That's the reason why we hold on to the bitters and refuse to forgive is because we're wanting that judgment. We're wanting them to pay the price. It might be uh, they pay the price of cutting off their relationship with me. It might be the price of, of a financial price or something it may be, you know, I, I, I mean, there, there's, there's many different types of, of abuses, and we'll look at that in Luke chapter 22. We're going to look, first of all, we can look at physical abuse. This was our Lord. The Bible says in Luke 22, verse 63 through 65, the Bible says, And Peter went out and wept bitterly, and the men, uh, and the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had bl- blindfolded him, they struck him. On the face and asked him, saying, "Prophesy, who is who is that that smote thee?" This is not necessarily, you know, you know, say, "Well, you know, you don't know what I've been through." You know, this is what we hear a lot, and I've heard that a lot over the years with teenagers. You just don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I what I did. You don't know what that person did to me. But look at from the perspective of our Savior. He was beaten for no reason. Physical abuse was. Was very. I mean, he was the cat of nine tails, and all those things were beaten. His beard was ripped out. Physically abused. We see mental abuse in in Luke twenty two verse sixty three. The Bible says also, and the men that held Jesus mocked him, so they made fun of him. In Luke twenty three verse thirty six and thirty eight, the Bible says here, and the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be King of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the King of the Jews. Now that is the truth. But they were making a mock of him. They were making fun of him. So they were not only giving physical abuse, but they were also giving mental abuse. But also, you know, one that can that, that can hurt the most. And, I, and I've, I've had to deal with that in a few years of working in the team ministry. Because I can tell you, sometimes they can hurt your, <laughs> hurt your spiritual gut. Um, pretty good when you you know you're praying for them. You're you. I mean I can I can uh, you. There's uh, there there's ones that I drive by their house almost every time I come to church. No. Luke twenty two verse fifty six. 
60. <clears throat> the Bible says, In about the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, This fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not, I know, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word that the Lord how how he said unto him before the cock crew, Thou shalt deny me thrice. Now, we're not looking at Peter, we're looking at the Lord thinking of, of him. That'd be akin to a preacher preaching to you and warning you over and over and over and again, and you still going out and doing it. That's spiritual hurt. And you know, sometimes you can get hardened to that. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? I remember after 2020, about 2020, mid-2021 or so, I told Melissa, I was like, I, I don't know if I could do this anymore. I, and honestly, I, uh, you know, it just, uh, you can come across as a failure, really, when you think about it. You, you think... I saw in 2019 almost 20 teenagers that come on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, and I saw spiritual growth there. I saw some that were on the verge of getting saved. I saw some of them on the verge of just turning their life to Christ, and in one moment, it's all gone, seemingly. And, you know, I... I'm in contact with most of those teenagers today. I can't get them to come to church. Um, and I'm just watching their spiritual life just fade away. And you want to think, was it me? <laughs> and this is what you think. The Lord's sitting there being beat, physically abused, mentally abused. And spiritually hurt by those he loves the most. The Bible tells us that there was no man with him. Three and a half years, 12 men stood by his side through the thick and thin. And only one stood at the cross. I imagine that had to hurt. I'm sure he had a lot of things to forgive. Three things, I'm, and I'll have you all out of here. That's how I'm getting everybody. The teenagers are like, hey, man, he's probably lying, but a good thing. <laughs> First of all, he guarded his response to the, offended, to the offender. I know one thing you'll find with me. Um, when I first come here, uh, I, I could rub people the wrong way and uh, just because I've I'm very blunt, um, you know, and, and I tell you, uh, y'all have no idea. When I, I was telling Brother Beeler, you know, I was telling you last time I preached that me and Pastor had many a meetings. Boy, we spent for hours and talked, but I didn't tell you the fact that he was, he was correcting and instructing me during those three or four hour long talks. And, and honest to goodness, it was what I needed. Uh, and, and I thank God for my pastor helping me and guiding me along the way. Um, but, uh, but I can tell you something. Uh, I'm a debater. At heart, I love to debate. I love 
making you look like a fool. I mean, I just do. I mean, and, <laughs> uh, and, I, and, I, and that probably got me in trouble more in college. And I got more whippings at home as a child because of my mouth. I had to get the last word in. I was not wrong. You are. You just ain't figured it out yet. <laughs> you know, that was me. Um, and, you know, looking back now, I understand, you know, that uh, that's not the way our Lord would respond to things. Because I've always looked at it from the perspective of that it's my job to take up for the Lord. And, you know, if you've wronged someone in my family, you've wronged someone in my life, or you've wronged me, then it's my job to make you look foolish. Or to make you, it's like the, it's like the uh, I can't remember, let's see if I can tell the story properly, but it's like this guy jumps up on a hill and says, if God be God, have him come down here and knock me off this hill. And he cursed God and he told everybody about how God was a weakling and this big old dude come up and knocked the fire out of him and knocked him off the, off the hill. And he said, what did you do that for? He said, God was a little busy. I took care of it for you. You know, and that's, that was my, pers- my perspective of it. I'll take care of it. God, I don't need you for these little things. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53, it says that he answered them not a word. And if you read the few times that he did speak, it was guarded. We, we, we spend so much time thinking of our response to those who offended us rather than looking to God and saying, God, how should I respond? What is the right way? And you know, I've learned something, and and I still struggle with it, I promise you. But I've learned something, that sometimes the best response is no response. When you're sitting there trying to grab for words in your mind, thinking, how can I come up with a good slogan? How can I come up with something great to make them look like a fool? How can I embarrass them? How can I destroy their character? Destroy them? If you're sitting doing all those things, then look, your best thing is to hush. And our Lord is sitting here, He's taking a beating, He's taking mental abuse, He's taking spiritual abuse and things, uh, spiritual hurt. And look, sometimes, you know, the Bible says, you know, and, and I forgot to get to this, that point, but sometimes God hurts us. And sometimes we can get uh, bitter against God. It's true. I mean, I believe it was David who said that thou hast broken my bones. <laughs> God, you hurt me. And I was a purpose behind it, but a lot of times Christians will get bitter with it. But here, look, and that was just, a, I forgot to get to that, but, but he, he had a guarded response when he was on the cross that said that he answered. He stood there like a lamb dumb before his shears. Be mindful whenever it comes to forgiveness. Look, we need to be mindful of our speech, what we say to others. Look, the Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, Brother Polly was, was saying that. He used to quote it, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and Pastor Sexton corrected him on it. He said, no, he said, God put it in that way for an order. Death and life are in the power of the tongue because death is natural to us. What comes out of our mouth is usually negative, naturally. And, and, and that's the truth. When we're, when we're hurt, the idea is the same with a dog. You know, uh, and I'm not calling us dogs, but, but, but I mean, if, you hurt, if you come up on a hurt dog and you grab hold of that dog's hurt spot, guess what? They're probably going to snap at you because it's their nature to bite back. It's their nature to be negative towards you. And you have to be careful when you're dealing with that hurt person, that hurt dog. And the same thing is with us. Our natural response is death. It's naturally going to come out negative. And our Lord here, the Bible says, He 
answered them not a word to his accusers. He answered Pilate, just whatever. He said, you know, they say you're the son of God. What do you say? He said, thou sayest it. He didn't look at him and say, what do you think? (laughs) I mean, come on. I perform miracles. I mean, are you blind? (laughs) No, he just said, thou sayest it. It wasn't combative. It was just our Lord being tender and understanding. I mean, look, every every person that left this crucifixion left with the knowledge that he was the Son of God based on his response. There was something different about him. Luke 23, verse 34 and and, uh, 46, the Bible says in Luke 23, uh, verse 34, the Bible says this, um, Then said Jesus... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The Bible says in verse 46, um, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands that commend, commend my spirit. Um, the second thing he did, it not only have a guarded response, but he gave up all right to retaliate. When he said, Father, forgive them, he was not saying... I forgive you. He was asking God. He said, God, will you take care of this? Because in our natural state, we don't want to forgive. It's not, it's not, and in, in, in all honesty, back to this judge that was sitting there and this, and this man, Brant Jean, was sitting there and he, and he said, can I go hug her? Can I forgive her? Can I, can I love on her? Can I help her? Can I do whatever I can? And the judge says, still, guilty 10 years in jail. It didn't make a difference. But look, if, if the Brant would have looked at the judge and said, Judge, please forgive her. I wish you would forgive her. Will you wipe the dead out? Well, I take it, whatever, whatever it costs. And the judge looks at it and says, We vacate the judgment. You're free to go. You see, you see the difference? Jesus looked to God and said, Father, forgive them. Because look, I don't care how spiritual you are. You're going to forget somebody hurting you? Take God out of the perspective. Are you going to forgive someone? That's not in our nature. Our nature is to fight back. Our nature is to bite back. But Jesus here spent six hours. Look, this is not a short time of abuse. This was not a short time of hurt. Six hours he hung on the cross. Three days in darkness in in the belly of hell. This was not a short hurt. It was not a short time. It took time. But he looked to God and said, God, I forgive you. God, will, will you forgive them? Father, forgive them. And the Bible says this in verse 46. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He gave it all up. From a human perspective, you think how the Lord said, the Lord just laid down everything at God's feet and said, God, will you take care of it? I can't. I mean, and I'm thinking about it in my perspective. I'm a fighter. I want to fix it. I'm, I'm, I want to step out and I want to, I want to take care of the problem and deal with it. But that's, that's not the way God would handle it because we see it. He just handed it to God. In John chapter 20, verse 11, we're almost done. It's hot in here. Um, In John chapter 20, verse 11, the Bible says this. 
But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And she wept and stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the, one at, and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say, and they say unto, unto her, Woman, weep, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because thou hast taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Six hours on the cross. Hours of physical abuse. Mental abuse. A surrender to God and saying, God, you're going to have to deal with the problem. God, you're going to have to take care of the problem. Lord, it's on you. I'm handing it to the judge, the one that can handle it all. I'm putting it all at your feet. Three days in the belly of hell. Three days dealing with sin and and conquering death, hell and the grave. All the things that were going on when Christ was was in the grave. It was not a fun time. But I tell you one thing, what he, what he did get out of it. He gained a victorious day. You know, sometimes you might walk up to someone and say, I forgive you. And they might look at you and say, get out of here. I don't want you. don't care to see you. don't need you in my life. But if you live the life of just letting God deal with them and let God work the problem out, let God deal with that problem, one day you're going to raise, raise up and say, you know what, I've got some victory here. It might take three days of hell. It might take six hours hanging on a brutal cross. And you think you can't make it. But when God comes through, He comes through with great power. Acts chapter 1. I thought this was interesting. God gave me this and and this is... I've read this verse many a time. Bible scholars, what city was Christ crucified in? You may want to holler it out. Jerusalem. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses to me both in, first place, Jerusalem. The very first place on his mind was the very person, very place that broke him and beat him and mocked him. He said, it's even for y'all. Look, his response was amazing. He handed it all to God and said, God, I'm going to let you take care of it. And man, he gained some victory that, that day. Like I said, it, it's, uh, look, just because you forgive doesn't take away hurt. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it sets you free. God never intended you to carry that burden. The Bible says that he, in, in, in Isaiah 53, it says that he carried our weight. He carried our burdens so that we don't have to. That sin that you're holding on to and refusing to forgive someone, 
look, becomes your own sin and your own prison, your own, your own cell that you can't get out of except you learn this beautiful word that Christ has given us forgiveness. You open this book anywhere and I'll tell you, it bleeds and pleads and preaches forgiveness. And we shouldn't be walking around. Uh, Adrian Rogers was talking about a missionary that he knew in China. And he said that the missionaries in, that, in, in China had a great revival and, and they were talking with them about what happened in that revival, what started it all. And they said, forgiving one another. That's what started it. When they looked at them, just the simple things. Not letting the sun go down on your wrath. Not to brag on me and my wife, but I mean, we made a covenant a long time ago. If we've got to sit up all night long, and we've had to do it twice in our marriage, not quite all night long, we're going to make it right. Doesn't make us perfect, but, you know, that's, that's something to, to make your marriage just absolutely wonderful. I mean, laying in bed next to her and there's peace there. And just like that in your Christian life, you can lay your head on a pillow at night as a Christian. I know lost laid her head on a pillow with no hope, but you can lay your head on a pillow at night with some peace. If you learn to let it go, let God have it. Let him have the retaliation. Let God be the judge. You just forgive and go on with your life. Because look, when you learn to live a life that way, you'll have a resurrection morning too. And then you'll look back and like Acts chapter 1, the very first thing on your mind is the very one that hurt you. I need to go reach them. Jerusalem. Isn't that the way God works? I tell you, it's a beautiful picture of what Christ did on Calvary for my soul, for your soul and the sin that, that was paid for. But just thinking about just as the human aspect of it, forgiveness. Man, he didn't have to. I mean, he even said, I could call him, I can kill everyone. <laughs> and the truth of the matter, I could deal with it. I, I could. And he could have. But he wanted to show us a little bit of forgiveness. And I thank God for that. He's such a wonderful Savior. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here tonight and you don't know the free pardon of sin, you don't know what it's like to lay your head on a pillow at night and have some peace. Many a year, I've, when, when I was a young child, and scared of storms, scared of the night, scared to go to sleep. I'd go to my parents, and my dad snored, and I'd go to his bedroom door and listen to him snore, and I knew that he was still there. And it gave me some comfort. I thought the rapture would take place or something and I'd be left behind. Well, April the 5th, 2009, God got a hold of my heart and saved me. And I got peace. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight's tonight, I promise you, you'd never regret it. But if you're a Christian in here and you're holding on to a grudge, 
And you say, well, I don't know if I am or not. Let me tell you, if I can bring anybody down the aisle, anyone that's ever wronged you, and you can't walk up to them with a, with a peaceful heart and say, hello, I love you, I'm praying for you, and I want God to bless you, then you ain't got it right yet. Everyone standing, the piano will be playing. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. If you need to be saved, come talk to us. We'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure heaven can be your home. Don't delay. thankful for you being here tonight, every one of you. Aren't you thankful for forgiving God? He's our, he's our forgiving God. We praise the Lord for it. Thank you, Brother Edgy. Teenagers, good to see you here tonight. God bless you. And we're glad you're here. Again, men, we need your help here. Let's get these tables and so forth over in the gym. And let's look forward to what God's got for us on Sunday. And let's invite and we'll thank the Lord for it. Let's pray. Father, Dismiss us with thy blessings tonight. Thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for Brother Edgy and the message tonight. Now help us, Lord. And Lord, just again, we seek your will as we look forward to uh, Sunday. Be thy will that we have a great crowd. Help us to do things together here tonight. Get it all done. We'll give you all the praise for it in your precious name. Amen. Amen.